Well, Jesse, you're 40 now. How's it feel? Katie, I am 40 and flirty. What's a word that rhymes with 40? Stupid? Yeah, I'm 40 and stupid. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I turned 40 about a week ago. I did so in my hometown. I actually have a brief story. I know that you are always sending me texts about how I should tell more stories on this podcast because you like them so much. I usually want them to be long. Yeah, yeah. I have a brief story, not about being 40, but about being 39 and one day short of 40. Are you ready to sit back and relax? It'll take about an hour. Is that okay? Let's get this over with. There I was at my brother's house for Thanksgiving. They do a wonderful job hosting us. Uh, In addition to all the cooking my sister-in-law does, they also have all these amazing... um, Oh, your sister-in-law does the cooking. I see. I see how it is. Oh, it's a totally gender-normative household. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, My brother refuses to make eye contact with his kids because he thinks (laughs) a little... He just thinks they should have a strong maternal... (laughs) Talking to your dad makes you gay. Exactly. Uh, No, they're a wonderful family. It it did work in my case. uh, I brought mac and cheese, as I may have mentioned, because I was so proud of myself. In addition to all the cooking they do, they always have these amazing... They do like, you know... uh, really awesome frozen appetizers that are just really good. They find the best ones. They have cheese. They have crackers, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I, there's this little um, puff pastry shell filled with eggplant parm. I think it's Trader Joe's. And I have one, and it's so hot, and I can't eat it. So I just take a little bite, because I'm not going to wait for it to cool down, right? That would be ridiculous. Not. Right. The contents of this uh, phyla, whatever the fuck, uh, pastry shell thing, spill out onto my thumb, where they subsequently, the eggplant and cheese burn my thumb so badly, it blisters up the next day, the joint of my thumb, and I still have a scab on my thumb from how one day short of 40, I couldn't wait for a pastry shell to cool down, and I got probably one of the first eggplant parm-related burns in medical history. Uh, so... That told me everything was going to be okay, because even though I'm about to turn 40, I haven't grown up at all, and I'm still a man-child. And since then, things have been great. Well, I do not anticipate that turning 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80 will change any of that, but a happy birthday, I guess. Thank you. Yeah, we had a nice time. Had uh, a little shindig at my childhood home with uh, Bertucci's, which will mean something to people from certain parts of the country, and beer and booze and uh, old and new friends, including a mutual friend of ours. Strippers? Uh, The strippers looked me up on Google, and they said I was too transphobic, so they couldn't come to the house. Uh, That's fair. Well, you shouldn't have ordered trans strippers. Katie, come on. Katie, I now that I'm 40, <laughs> I'd like to be a little bit more mature uh, and maybe inclusive. Would it kill you to adopt some DEI principles on this podcast? Hey, speaking of, of strippers, I just remembered something. Uh, so like 10 years ago at a friend's 30th birthday party, we decided to get her a male stripper. And uh, the stripper was supposed to come in like a professional uniform, like scrubs or something. It was going to be like a medical stripper. And <laughs> before he got there, our friend's roommate got home, her new roommate, and he was a nurse. So he was wearing his scrubs <laughs> and one, of the, <laughs> and one of the attendees, yes, confused him for the male stripper. I, by the way, hid like Anne Frank during this whole thing. I was horrified by the thought of the male stripper in the house. I did not get, get did not get a lap dance. Oh, I have never, this is going to be me trying to sound like a good guy. I've been, I've been open that I'm not a good guy, but like I, I've never been to a strip club. I think I'd be way too awkward to interact with a stripper given how much difficulty I have interacting with Um, Mm non-strippers. What's your... Well, they would get paid to talk to you. So you might not actually might go better for you. But I, that won't make me less awkward. It'll make me more awkward because I'll be like, I'm paying for this. I, I just yeah, but they'll they'll be able to pretend that you're not being awkward. I think my problem is I just respect women so They're much. I respect women so much. I don't want to talk to them. I've been to a bunch of strip clubs. I would not recommend it. I, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. You spend isn't it like isn't it a weirdly Pacific Northwest thing? Like someone told me in Portland, like there's a strip club on every other block and people just hang out there. There's a lot of strip clubs in Portland. This is when I went to strip clubs. Was when I lived in Portland because strip clubs open early there, and so and I worked at coffee shops and shit like that so i would get off work early and we would go to this one called octopus gardens like in the afternoon for drinks but seattle no in seattle i've never been to a strip club in seattle no plans to seattle strip clubs are alcohol free oh this has come up before and has never made any fucking sense to me 
It makes no sense. Yeah. So I think what happens is that people just get absolutely hammered before they go to the strip club. Yes. It's not not a place that if you want to see naked ladies, don't go to Seattle, go to Portland. I mean, I guess it, it makes sense in terms of like protecting the people performing from drunken idiots, but that's what like beefy bouncers are for. I'm not sure that Seattle strip clubs are any better at protecting the ladies than any other strip clubs. I have not heard good things about Seattle strip clubs. Katie, what is the name of this increasingly mature and highbrow podcast? This is Blocked and Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog. And I'm Jesse Single, and this week, you're going to tell me a story. My understanding is this is going to blow me away. It's a big, tangled, complicated tale, uh, and I'm really excited for it. We have a couple things to get to. Oh, I should probably say what it's about, right? What's it about? Uh, it's the Ur Barpod story. Whoa. We'll get to it, but the teaser is, this is the, this is the big NaNoWriMo story that people have been requesting. NaNoWriMo. NaNoWriMo? Is that how you say it? Writing, NaNoWriMo. Yeah, writing. Anyway, um, can I say something first? I haven't talked yet enough on this podcast. Sure. Can I tell the eggplant story again? Just go. Just go on. Okay. Um, So there was, we got some emails after our last episode from this, um, it's some sort of religious sect. I don't know how to pronounce it. Katie, it's in the notes. Help me out. Christ, Christians? Christian. Christian. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I had mentioned that Christians, some Christians, support Israel because of weird beliefs involving how we, we meaning the royal we, meaning Jews, need to control parts of Israel to bring about the apocalypse or for Jesus to come back. I'm hazy on the specifics. Um, I used to know everything about Christianity. I don't anymore. Christians wrote in mad at us because they're like, no, there's lots of other reasons Christians support Israel. Uh, I just want to be clear. I wasn't saying every Christian supports Israel for this reason, but this actually came up. Just most of them. This came up in the subreddit, and then I guess it spilled onto Twitter a little bit. I'll include a link in the show notes. Here's a poll of evangelical Christians. Which of the following contribute to your support for the modern state of Israel? Uh, Something like 67%. The Bible says God gave the land of Israel to the Jewish people. I agree with that. I think we should make all foreign policy decisions based on what the Bible or the Quran says. <laughs> based on a book. Slightly lower support. Israel is the historic Jewish homeland. It's phrased a little less weird, at least. Um, but over 50% of why evangelicals support Israel, Israel is important for fulfilling biblical prophecy. So that's more than 50% of this one poll of evangelicals. It doesn't prove anything. But I just want to say, I think this is a pretty widespread thing, probably not among our listeners who are... I don't really think like far right evangelical Christians, but like growing up in a liberal Jewish household that supported Israel, this came up. And I just, people should be a little bit empathetic. Like from the American liberal Jewish perspective, there's this group over there, evangelical Christians, they disagree with us on everything. Gay marriage, evolution, you name it. And this is the 90s. You can see why we'd be like a little bit, why are they with us on this Israel thing, right? Like this is normal, normal reaction. Well, I find that a little bit confusing because Judaism isn't inherently liberal. Like there are a lot of liberal Jews. No, no, I'm talking about you can understand why this would be a meme in liberal Jewish places. Like these wacky Christians, they only care about us having this this land because they think that us living in this space is going to bring back the guy that we killed. Yeah. First we kill him and then we bring him back. Yeah, we talk a lot about that in, in American liberal <laughs> Jewish households. Yeah, and, and our point of view was that Christians generally think we're going to hell. Like when it comes to right-wing evangelical Christians, there's there's some distrust and I think it's understandable. So it was just weird. I think the reason maybe this meme spread, whatever the numbers are, is because why does this group that disagrees with us on everything, why are they with us on Israel? So I just wanted to give a little more context there. The Christians who wrote in were perfectly polite and nice about it. I think um, I probably overstated it, but clearly this does motivate a lot of evangelical Christian belief in uh, supporting Israel. Well, it sounds like you and the Christians really have a lot in common. Mm, name one thing. Zionism. I'm not. A z- <laughs> I'm talking about you, the royal you. The royal you, Jews, all Jews. Yes. yes. Uh, okay, let's move on. All right, Jesse. So before we get to Nano Remo, there's a couple things I want to talk about. First of all, I had this week's show all planned out, and then I checked my favorite Instagram account, Curse Cancellations. Everyone go follow it. And I saw this post. Jesse, I put a screenshot in our notes. Will you read the first paragraph for me? On November 25th, 2023, close to my birthday, a small group of disabled trans anti-eugenicists, hold on, make sure, yes, (laughs) disabled trans anti-eugenicists confronted a festival of ableist violence in so-called Portland, Oregon, that's in quotes, (laughs) that's probably a Native American land acknowledgement thing. 
This was done against libertarians posing as anarchists whom avoid taking responsibility for the violence they have perpetrated by spreading SARS-CoV-2 COVID. and its strains that's without... That's it. Covey. Say Covey. Yeah. Is that yeah. like the cute diminutive name? Just No, that's how it's pronounced. It's SARS-CoV-2. Oh, SARS-CoV-2. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Uh this was done against libertarians posing as anarchists whom avoid taking responsibility for the violence they have perpetrated by spreading SARS- They needed an editor here so bad. <laughs> SARS-CoV-2 and its strains without mitigation. Their violence follows the logic of settlers who unleash smallpox on the indigenous peoples of Turtle Island. Katie, what's Turtle Island? Turtle Island is basically what non-binary Instagram activists call North America. Okay, so no, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, really? Yeah, it's the it's whole like, all of North America is Turtle Island. I'm googling this. I don't fucking believe you. I don't believe you. Yeah, it's like the Turtle indigenous term. Island. Yeah, it's true. Is the name for Earth or North America used by some indigenous peoples? That's so interesting. Yeah. And by indigenous, they mean the Buffy Saint Marie's of the indigenous world. Okay, so this was a blind item published by. The Anarchist Federation. Can I just say, if anyone does an image search of Turtle Island, there's some really cool shit of like giant islands on the backs of turtles. So I'm going to look through these while Katie continues talking. And what happened is that this group calling themselves Disabled Trans Anti-Eugenicists, these are basically long COVIDians, were pissed that this anarchist book fair in Portland, which by the way was outside, it was at an elementary school outside, wasn't they weren't requiring mask and in fact the anarchist or as the uh as the the trans the disabled trans anti-eugenicists call them the residents of turtle island <laughs> yes they call them li- libertarians posing as anarchists they quote this is i'm quoting from this anarchist federation post called anti-ableists who wheat pasted demands of leftist spaces to require masks the equivalent of health cops and they said that quote mask requirements are gulag as fuck so this is why these dis- disability activists were pissed at these anarchists. And so the blind item further reads, These are in line with common talking points that fascists in this country make in support of the COVID genocide, claiming that mask and vaccine mandates are authoritarian, even though they directly mitigate ableist violence. So here's what happened. These activists go to this anarchist book fair, which again, is outside. Outside. And, and the beef is that they don't require yes. masks at the outdoor anarchist book fair. Yeah. And that in one of their zines, somebody said that, that, that mask requirements are gulag as fuck. Mm-hmm. So their intention is to disrupt the event. They said they were going to, quote, go in, burn their ableist newspapers, make our statement at the fire pit and leave without creating any bodily harm or fighting anyone. So that's good. They're just going to do a book burning. They won't hurt any <laughs> individuals. But okay. that didn't happen. And they're announcing online, we're going to do a book right. burning. So this didn't happen. These left leftist activists announced the online. Right. They're gonna, okay. So Curse Cancellations, the Instagram account, got a few witness statements. This is observations from people who are actually there. Jesse, please look at the notes. There's a screenshot from the next part of Curse Cancellations post. Please read, starting at the second paragraph. The decision to not mandate COVID masks angered a group of mentally ill people who described themselves as, quote, disabled trans anti-eugenicists, end quote. And they decided to try and sabotage the event because of this. So they went to the location of the event before it started and poured liquid feces on the elementary school playground to upset the alleged anti-maskers who would later attend the event. The group of Covidian saboteurs then came back to the event and attempted to grab some magazines, books, and throw them in an open fire because the literature was, quote, promoting anti-masking rhetoric, end quote. Then a scuffle ensued and one of them pepper sprayed an attendee. Uh, How much of this... Do we know? I mean, do we know if this is true? Okay, so I was not able to independently verify this, but Curse Cancellations heard this story from multiple witnesses. I did talk to him. He assures me that it's true. I'm going to choose to believe him because this is Portland and activists using... This would be the least crazy activist thing that happened in Portland this week. Right. Like activists, like like trans activists in Portland poured liquid shit. The other word for that is diarrhea into the vents of Clementine Morgan's car when she was doing an, an event there. I don't know if it was the same people. Maybe there's just w- one person who has such bad and consistent diarrhea that he's like their secret weapon. It's one person with IBS. I feel like that would be a he. It would be a he probably. No, it's a they. It's for sure a they. But yes, these disability activists, these, these anti-eugenicists went to a school playground and poured shit on the playground in order to 
prevent the spread of disease. Mm-hmm. That makes it just makes sense. Yes. And we should be clear, curse cancellations, like you know the guy behind it. Um, it isn't some rando. So we should no. we should grant some credence if he says multiple people yes. wrote in with the same. Yeah. Some Yes, plus I just want to believe. I'm I'm wearing the t shirt. I want to believe. Some stories are are truly are too good to check and this is one of them. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. I'll have yes. various images in my head for the rest of this recording. Liquid shit. That's what that's what it was. Mommy, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> it smells funny. Okay, so so before we get to the main event, next I want to talk to you about an article that went viral this week. I specifically asked you not to look this up, so I hope you didn't. This was by a, a Deadspin writer named Karen Phillips. His bio says that he's a Pulitzer nominee, but I searched the Pulitzer site for his name and it's not listed anywhere. So maybe by nominee, he meant that someone, possibly himself, paid the $50 fee and submitted his name. But who knows? He was not a finalist. He also says in his bio that he's won awards from the National Association of Black Journalists and the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists. So he is, in fact, an award-winning journalist. And Jesse, here's the headline of the article that he published. The NFL needs to speak out against the Kansas City Chiefs fan in blackface native headdress. So the headline kind of says it all, but I'll read you the first paragraph. Quote, it takes a lot to disrespect two groups of people at once, but on Sunday... Oh, it does it. (laughs) I could do that so easily. (laughs) But on Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas, a Kansas City Chiefs fan found a way to hate black people and Native Americans at the same time. And the article includes a photo of the fan in question. Jesse, please describe. Yeah. Well, it looks like a kid, first of all. He's definitely wearing blackface. He's definitely wearing a native headdress. What was that again, Jesse? He's definitely wearing blackface. Uh, am I going to... Yeah, just say that again. Just say that again. Uh-oh. Say it twice. Uh-oh. I feel like something... I just walked into a trap. <laughs> in this in this screenshot, there's no way to know for sure. He hood, could have a condition where his face is black, but the rest of his body isn't. <laughs> it looks like he's wearing... Is that a mask? What's going on? Explain. Okay. Just... All right. Here. Okay. Scroll down in our notes. There's another angle of there's a photo the photo over the kitchen oh my god dude this is unbelievable it's a kid he is wearing a headdress but his his face is half black half red i guess he's trying to be do chief's colors colors yeah 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 so karen phillips can but but from that angle i mean people will see this let's include all these in the show notes it was like basically the only angle this screenshot from from the cbs yeah profile that's crazy. It really looks like he's in blackface, and then you see the next photo. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so so wait, so so the Deadspin piece does he make clear? No, he either the whole piece is about this kid wearing blackface. Yes. So Holy Karen shit. Phillips either didn't know or ignored the fact that this kid, and it is a child. It is very clear that it's a child was wearing Chiefs colors. It could have been. It could have been an accident. It could have been that he just saw that one image. It was floating around Twitter. Somebody had basically a tweet went viral of somebody saying like, "What's up with Chiefs fans?" and posted only the photo of the profile. And Karen Phillips didn't bother to do any further digging. It was very <laughs> easy to get other to see other photos of this. So he writes this piece. He says he doesn't know if it's a child or an adult, but this is clearly a problem to be solved by the NFL. And then he gets absolutely dogpiled on Twitter when people realize that the kid wasn't in blackface, he was wearing Chiefs colors. And then Karen Phillips doubles down and tweets that it's actually more offensive because he's wearing both black and red face. That is maybe the best <laughs> double down I've heard of since like the yes. KFC thing. That's so good. He it's more it's more it, offensive, yes. Katie. So he unfortunately deleted the tweet and I couldn't find an archive. But again, he again got horribly ratioed. And this became a huge story on conservative media. It was covered by Fox, New York Post, The Federalist, The Daily Wire, all the greats. And then the kid's mom comes out and it turns out that the kid himself is actually Native American. <laughs> Which, by the way, sort of should have been the first question I asked because you can't tell <laughs> if someone has Native, like that. we've talked about this repeatedly. We're all, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of mixing going on. So who, yeah. why should the assumption be because he quote unquote looks white, he doesn't have some Native blood, again, racist, stupid, blah, blah, blah. You can't even really tell that he looks white because his, because he's wearing black I did. So I saw, I went to the mom's Facebook page and I saw pictures of the kid. And I, I first, I assumed that this was like a Buffy St. Marie or an Elizabeth Warren situation. I did request a DNA sample. But From her, can your kid give me a DNA uh-huh. sample? <laughs> Send me some of your kid's spit. But it turns out that not That's not the joke I was going with, but. <laughs> and 
But it turns out that this is not a Buffy St. Marie situation. The the, fa- the kid's father's family is indeed, they are enrolled members of the Santa Inez Band of Chumash Indians in California, and his grandfather and great-grandfather were both elders in the tribe. So he might look Norwegian, but he is, in fact, Native American. This is incredible. Yeah. So I found a couple things interesting about this, besides the fact that it was just very funny. For one, like I saw basically nobody defending Karen Phillips, which I... I think does say something about the moment that we're in, like the time. I, this was such a high level of stupidity. You really think if the same thing had happened in 2020, he would have had defenders. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. With the headdress. Yeah. I think for sure. Like the time when we have, when outlets could reliably call people out for microaggressions and be rewarded about it. I just, I think that time has passed. It's hard. It's harder, harder reaches. The bar for what is considered racism is higher now. Uh, the, The closest thing that I could see, to a defense of Karen Phillips was not even that. It was Jacqueline Keeler. This is a Native American activist who we discussed a couple weeks ago who helped expose Buffy St. Marie. So she criticized the kid's parents for letting him wear regalia from a tribe that he's not a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she still found something to complain about. Yeah. She also pointed out that the chiefs are not actually named after Indians after all. They're actually named after a former Kansas City mayor named Harold Rowe Bartle, who brought an existing team, the Dallas Texans, to Kansas City in 1962. His nickname was The Chief, so the franchise owner renamed the Texans in honor of him. So really, if you want to celebrate the Chiefs, you shouldn't wear an Indian headdress. You should dress like a 300-pound Midwestern mayor. So you should wear a fat suit. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, they did sort of lean into the Indian chief or Native American chief thing with their imagery. But uh, this whole thing is the doubling down is amazing. That being said, like Deadspin in 2023, it's like I'm not afraid of Internet bullshit. I've dug around in Kiwi Farms. Everyone knows, remembers my 10 part Keffel's Kiwi Farm series. J-Singled 69. I'm J-Singled 69 uh, on the darker corners of the Internet. I don't think I would go to Deadspin these days in 2023. I think I'd be too scared. Why would you be scared? It's just it's just this weird like hinter because you know since it collapsed, who's the sort of person who in 2023 finds themselves writing for Deadspin after everyone left because of the labor stuff? Uh, well, they do have a Pulitzer nominated writer on staff, so it's a little snobby of you. Mm-hmm. All right, should we move on to the main show? Yeah, let's move on. So I, it, my understanding is today. I'm going to have to hold on to my butt super hard, right? I hope you're wearing a diaper. I'm wearing, well, I always wear a diaper. Diaper. Yeah. Um, I'm also wearing a burka just to play it safe because I don't know what's ahead of me. Um, okay. I'm, I assume half of your, your face is painted black. Yeah, of course, as always. Um, okay. I'm, I'm holding on to my butts. This is a basically, I'm in the blind seat, so I have blinded myself as is custom. Katie, go ahead. Okay. So this one has it all internet forums, diaper lovers, grooming allegations, DEI, racism, a trans forum moderator pretending to be his own wife, death faking. It's the perfect bar pod story. We might just need to close up shop after this. Okay. So before we get started, a huge shout out to Trace. The notes he sent us were, no lie, 314 pages long. <laughs> no. Yes. Is Although, it, are we going to get like a National Labor Relations Board <laughs> complaint? Whole, 314 pages? Thankfully, 200 pages of those, at least, maybe 250, were appendices and citations. He literally read thousands of forum posts and conducted interviews with insiders, some of whom ghosted him when they discovered that you, Jesse, are a minor part of this podcast. What? He really worked his tail off on this, so give the boy an extra belly rub when you see him. I'm about to see him. I'm going to give him so many belly rubs, non-consensually. Make sure nobody is filming that. I'll try. Okay, and so in November, allegations started emerging from within the NaNoWriMo fandom. Jesse, do you know what NaNoWriMo is? I believe I've heard of it. Is this like the thing where everyone tries to write a novel in a month or like they're inspired that month to start a novel? I don't know the specifics, but it has to do with writing a novel. Yeah, it stands for National Novel Writing Month. It takes place in every November. And NaNoWriMo itself is a nonprofit dedicated to encouraging people to write novels of at least 50,000 words, all in one month. So right off the bat, Katie, do we do we really need more people writing novels? No. Every time I work, in, okay. I walk into a bookstore or a library, I think there's so many of them. Yeah, we don't we already have way too many to read. They're not good. I don't this is like voting. Like do we need more people to vote? I don't think okay, so. Okay, so the goal is not to have this perfectly polished publishable draft in a month. It's just to write and write a lot in a short amount of time. And obviously this is a real challenge. Only about 10 to 15% of people hit the target word count. Uh, but it's also very popular. It's been going on since 1999. And in 2022, for instance, 
NaNoWriMo says that over 400,000 people participated, and that includes 85,000 students and young people. So it's an all-ages affair, and teenagers over the age of 13 are allowed to participate in the, ma- in the main NaNoWriMo forums and in a separate dedicated young writers program site. I don't under I don't under, like I don't like the idea of young people writing instead of like being on TikTok and playing video games. I'm just really against this whole thing so far, but continue. I think they should be smoking weed and playing hacky sack, but that yeah. that's what well, that's like a 90s thing, but yeah. Oh, sure. Okay, so it's this beloved tradition among many writers and it's long had a glowing reputation until recently. So there are a ton of different ways that people engage with NaNoWriMo. Some people just write their novel during November and then submit it for a certificate of completion at the end and that's it. But others get really deeply involved in the culture. So there are discords, Facebook groups, writing groups across the world. But for a lot of participants, the heart of NaNoWriMo fandom is the forums on the NaNoWriMo website itself. The forums are huge, and people use them to share progress, connect with other writers, and generally chat about whatever they're into. And this is all watched over by one paid moderator and somewhere around 10 unpaid volunteer moderators. Okay, so there's not much oversight of the content of these forums. Right. And as you will hear, this is part of why everything we're going to talk about today happens. Now, NaNoWriMo itself, as a nonprofit, they have a volunteer board, but they've been pretty hands-off when it comes to the forums, which is exactly what you would expect from a nonprofit board. Like the board of Wikimedia is probably not weighing in on the internecine fights of like various editors battling out over whether any, you know, particular D-list internet celebrity counts as notable, for instance. The board will come back later, but the thing to know about them is that they're pretty hands-off when it comes to the website. And so are the, is it the people actually posting the forums? Is it mostly people participating and like talking about the challenge of writing 50,000 words in a month? Yes, but it's gone way beyond just talking about writing. There are a lot of writers and aspiring writers, obviously. Uh, it skews towards women. In terms of NaNoWriMo itself, the 2022 participant survey found that the demographics skew heavily female. So nearly 70% are female, 16% are male, 10% are non-binary, so probably female, and 7% said they prefer not to identify It's about 80% white, although the Young Writers Program is much more diverse. There are only about 43 participants self-identify as white. That could also be a lot of Buffy St. Marie situations, but the (laughs) forums seem to reflect these demographics, and Trey says about 80% of forum users are female. Gotcha. It also skews progressive, and as you might imagine, this influences the tone of the discourse. So, for instance, social justice and DEI, that's diversity, equity, inclusion, are big issues. NaNoWriMo announced some DEI policies on the forums in September 2020, like pretty much every other organization outside of this podcast. It's pretty boilerplate. Here's one quote. We acknowledge that different writers start with different opportunities, including varying access to education, writing time, technology, safety, and security. We also acknowledge that the power to access and shape resources are more available to those who are white, male, straight, wealthy, cis, able-bodied, and or neurotypical, Blah, blah, blah. I can just say, like, I mean, that I know that this is boilerplate and it was 2020, but the publishing industry is women dominated in at many levels, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. or at least in terms of uh, fiction publishing, I don't know if nonfiction is the same. It might be different. War history might be different. Mm-hmm. They also mandated anti racism trainings from mods and what they call municipal liaisons or MLs who are volunteers across the world who run local activities and events. But on the forums, what started as a commitment to diversity, access, etc., pretty quickly became a place to police language. No, no. I, I, you know, I've never listened to this podcast before ours, Mm -hmm. but this surprises me. So there are frequent and amusing conversations about wording, like whether the term blacklist is acceptable or whether the term night owl is offensive because (laughs) allegedly some Native American cultures see owls as harbingers of death. And I don't know, maybe it'll trigger some like epigenetic trauma of the 2% of NaNoWriMo participants who claim to be Native American, but are probably, you know, Buffy St. Marie Native, Um, stuff like that. I just, there's something perfect about someone who's almost certainly white, because this is clearly an overwhelmingly white space telling people not to say night owl because they read something somewhere about how it's offensive. It just like sums Probably up on Tumblr. everything. Yeah. Night owl is offensive. Okay. Got it. Okay. So one kind of ironic thing about the DEI stuff is that they claim to be inclusive, but they heavily police on the forums. They heavily police any type of Christian messaging. So they have a no proselytizing rule, which is one thing, but the mods interpret this very loosely. So at one point someone's post was deleted for quoting the Bible in a very non proselytizing way. The quote specifically was, as Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them, which sounds like something I heard on The Handmaid's Tale. But anyway, they're not into Jesus talk on the forums. 
So you can't even quote Jesus. Jesus has been canceled in yes. these forums? Yes. Wow. Now, I should mention, one of the insiders that Trace talked to said that a lot of their DEI stuff was, surprise, surprise, just performative, and they're actually not inclusive. Like the trainings for these MLs, uh, these municipal liaisons required high internet speeds, which some MLs didn't have access to, or they were difficult or impossible for MLs who were hard of hearing to follow. And the trainings were, of course, very US-centric, but they were, were required of all the MLs, including those abroad. So imagine someone who helps plan NaNoWriMo events in Africa or Vietnam having to take this tracing about anti-racism in the US. <laughs> I'm just like picturing like, I'm, I'm, I'm stereotyping here. I'm sure parts of Vietnam have great internet access, but like you're in like a rural part and you have one hour of satellite internet access a day allotted to you. And you're reading like Robin D'Angelo quotes. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, Robin D'Angelo dividing you into affinity groups. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so th- this seems like a very sort of typical 2020s progressive space, but but w- where do we get to the, the present-day drama? We'll get there in a second. Why don't we do housekeeping? We are a podcast. Uh, you can find us at blockchainreported.org. Uh, we do not get have a DEI policy on the website. Katie is working on it. Very overdue. Uh, if you join the podcast, you can, for $5 a month and up, get three extra episodes of this podcast each and every month, including our last one, where there was so much demand for us to talk about uh, humans having sex with animals. We did that a little bit. We also talked about an insufferable Irish tech bro. That was a great story. So yeah, blockchainreported.org for that. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, where we currently sit at a tasty 4.7. I've said this repeatedly, but if we don't get to 4.8, my life is going to be miserable. It's my birthday. It's literally my birthday. Not it's really. my birthday. It was it's it was really. my birthday. It's your birthday year. It's my birthday year. So please boost us up to a 4.8 by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a comment about how amazing we are. It really helps in our visibility. I'm stealing this from PJ Votes podcast. I don't know if it actually helps. He thinks it does. So um and then our Reddit is blockchainreported.reddit.com, barpodmerch.com for your merch needs. Anything else, Katie? No, I just, I'm sure everybody realizes this, but really the way to support the show, if you want us to keep going, is to join us at blockchainreported.org. That's really the, the best way to do it. All right, back to the uh, drama. Yes. So the drama we're going to be discussing today, it really came to a head in November of this year, but it actually started with a whole different controversy way back in December of 2022. And what happened is that a user we're going to call Steve noticed that one of the NaNoWriMo sponsors was a predatory publishing company. So basically, they would charge $10,000 to publish completed manuscripts, which is, of course, crazy. You can self-publish for literally nothing on Amazon and other sites. So Steve and other users called this out on the forums. And Steve says that they were silenced by one particular mod named Samajay. Steve says, quote, Samajay silenced criticism and an egregious violation of the codes of contact she was supposed to be withholding. Uh, I think he means enforcing there. And made fawning apologies to the sponsors. So users were pissed, and one of them who had a larger Twitter following started publicly calling out. And this forced NaNoWriMo to take action. The one NaNoWriMo staff member who was paid to handle the forums, her name was her name is Letitia Jones. She'll come up again later. And she acknowledged that, the, that she'd been lax in her duties. And the CEO posted an apology in the forums, but didn't inform the wider email list. And Sam and Jay was later relieved of her duties as a mod. Oh, so, th- so there's two different things here. There's the sponsorship question of this predatory company. And then there's criticism within the forums, which is being silenced allegedly by Sam and Jay. Sam and Jay gets mm-hmm. removed. So the leadership basically acknowledges something is messed up in the forums and they take care of the problem from their point of view. Yes. But with Sam and Jay okay. gone, they were left with just a handful of moderators for these massive threads. And this is key to understanding what happened next. There's a bunch of threads, thousands of users, and very few mods to keep everything from spiraling into a toxic hell pit, as most internet forums tend to do. That's the iron law of internet fuckery. Everything tends towards madness. Mm -hmm. Okay, so with Sam and Jay gone, some sections of the forum began to rely really heavily on one moderator in particular, a trans woman who went by the name Cinnamon Fridge or Claudia. That's her. Yeah, that's, that's her, her legal, name. legal name, Cinnamon Fridge. Claudia or Claudia Wolf. I'm going to call her Claudia. She's a longtime user and moderator known for being one of the few who really knew how to handle the forum system. They changed software a while back, and she was one of the only mods who was really familiar with it. So she's a real expert on the tech, and she's our main character today. Okay, Cinnamon Fridge slash Claudia or Claudia Wolf is the main character. Yeah. Now, Claudia is a bizarre character. Her own biography is scattered across the forums and other places. 
And she makes various conflicting and frankly impossible claims about her life. So for one, she claims to be basically on the verge of death. She says she has- Oh no. <laughs> I know. She says she has renal failure. She's prone to MRSA infections. She says she has below the knee amputations. And at one point she posted that she had less than 30 days to live. <laughs> when, was, when was that? I presume that's more than it 30 days ago. more than 30 days ago, yes. She also claims to be the legal conservator of another younger forum user named Danny. The story is that Danny and Claudia got to know each other because Claudia dated Danny's older sister before Claudia transitioned from male to female. And Danny, as a 15-year-old, ran away from home to live with Claudia after her family rejected her for coming out as a lesbian. Wait, well, Again. <laughs> wait, wait, hold right. on. Right. <laughs> Repeat <Yeah>. that. <laughs> the story is what? Danny ran away from home at 15 because her family rejected her for being a lesbian. Okay. And she went to live with Claudia, who at the time mm -hmm. was her older sister's ex-boyfriend. At the time, a 15-year-old female moving in with an older male, an adult male. Totally normal stuff, right? Okay. So Danny moves in with Claudia for a while. She leaves, then she grows up. She gets married to a woman. And then in 2019, the story goes, Danny's wife is hit by a semi-truck and dies. Okay. This happens right before COVID lockdown, and Danny subsequently spirals out, has a full break with reality, and reverts to the mental state of a small child, which leads to Claudia becoming her conservator. This whole story about the, the car accident mm -hmm. uh, reverting to a childlike state, this comes from Claudia? How do we, who do we know this from? It comes from both Claudia and Danny. So this Both of whom are, are internet handles, not... Right. Okay. These are internet handles both claiming this thing happened. Yes. And so okay. it's basically like a Britney Spears situation where Danny is Britney and Claudia is her father. At one point, Claudia said this in a post, quote, I tell people when I became her conservator, she was mentally a toddler, which is mostly true. In reality, it was far worse initially. She also says, Claudia also says, that as Danny recovered from this mental break, her personality was different from before, and it was, in fact, a fusion of Danny's teenage personality, her pre-breakdown personality, and Claudia's personality. So this is like mixing in some sort of alter stuff, but they're fused together. So, okay, so Danny recovers from being a child after this tragedy, and is now a mix of multiple people, mm -hmm. one of whom is Claudia, according yeah. to Claudia and, and Danny, who, again, are just names on the internet. So Danny is also an active user of the forums, and she and Claudia, who, again, is her conservator. According to her... Say sometimes this, sorry, the reason I, I'm just harping on this, and again, I'm completely blind to this story. When we say she's her conservator, that's because that's what they say on these forums, right? Yes. Okay. So sometimes they get in little tiffs on the forums, and Claudia will like scold Danny in this sort of motherly way. But their relationship is bizarre and inconsistent. Like in some old posts, Claudia has also said that Danny was her wife. I know what you're thinking, Jesse. Yep. This person is not mm -hmm. real. These people are not real. Is this what you're thinking? I'm thinking something along those lines, yes. Danny is Claudia. Claudia is Danny. I'm also thinking of um, sciencing bias. Remind yeah. me of that, too. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, to me, this seems very obvious that th this is one person. And we don't have any smoking guns to prove this, but there is some circumstantial evidence. Like at one point... Claudia wrote a post about running away from 15 and going to live with Claudia. This post, but yeah, this post, by the way, Wait, like Claudia wrote a post about right. living with Claudia. Right. So the post also included some slightly weird stuff about her writing erotica as a teenager. She said it was her way of processing her feelings. Again, this was all posted from Claudia's account. And then there's an edit note at the bottom that says, shoot, forgot to log out of Claudia's account when she borrowed my <laughs> laptop. This is actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay 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 so here's where stuff gets weird here's where stuff gets weird mm -hmm. okay. danny is also an abdl an adult baby diaper lover naturally she owns and runs a site called abdl story forum which hosts stories about diaper lovers and the people who love them okay so these are stories about you know diaper manufacturers and resellers <laughs> and trouble with the industry and like the, the profit margin stuff like that right nothing weird yeah like supply chain issues things like that no it's erotica oh god <laughs> okay so the abdl story forum which will henceforth be known as diaper site it has a patreon run by danny it appears to have zero patrons as far as i can tell but danny has well let's change that <laughs> 
everybody stop stop supporting us and go go support diaper site uh danny posts some content to it that's not paywalled including a little ama she did with the woman that she says is her caretaker jamie again all of these people are claudia probably allegedly they're definitely claudia anyway and this AMA, Jamie says that one of her jobs as Danny's caretaker is to change Danny's diaper. But the reason Danny now wears a diaper 24-7, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just read you from the post. Quote, remember, while Danny is an ABDL, the reason she wears 24-7 now is because during the first several months of her breakdown and recovery, she completely regressed and had no control of those functions at all. She actually forgot her potty training. A fact that when I was first assigned to be her aide, I thought my boss was joking. I learned pretty quickly that well, it wasn't. So this is posted not on NaNoWriMo, but on the diaper site. And so no, this is posted on the diaper site Patreon. Okay, okay, continue. I'm I'm gonna confuse things a little further. Oh no! In this same AMA, Danny says that her conservator is someone she calls Penguin or Mom. <laughs> She doesn't say it's Claudia. <laughs> Why is that what gets me about all this weirdness? She's, I call her mom or penguin. So she writes, okay. quote, So who am I? Well, it's complicated. Claudia was a very good friend of mine, and through her, I later became good friends with Penguin. In 2020, I had a very bad mental health breakdown and needed a lot of therapy and someone to act as my caretaker. Penguin, who had my medical power of attorney through an advanced directive, stepped up and volunteered when it, to do so when it became obvious a full recovery wasn't in the cards, at least not anytime soon. Um. Oh, wait, wait, I should also mention, Penguin is also active on the ABDL forums and has also claimed in various forums to be Claudia's widow because, yes, Claudia has also faked her own death on the diaper sites. Uh, uh, how, do we, <laughs> how do we know Claudia faked her own death on the diaper sites? Because <laughs> we know this because forum administrators have talked about her disappearing and Penguin coming in and saying, oh, Claudia died. <laughs> so... Penguin, a.k.a. Bob, yeah. will pop up and say Claudia died? Yeah. Okay, so we've got four people now. Claudia, Danny, Penguin, and this caretaker, Jamie, who is really- No, Penguin, a.k.a. Mom. Yeah. Jamie's a minor character. All of them, I am sure, are Wait, the same. Wait, Jamie, sorry. Jamie is, in theory, Danny's- I, I literally have trouble keeping this straight, and I can yeah. look at the notes. We need diagrams. We need, like, a always sunny a family tree. type of deal. Yeah. Jamie is, in theory, Danny's caretaker and the one who posts about- Yeah, the diaper changer. And she posts about, as, like, as caretakers tend to do, she goes online to post about changing right. her diaper. Right, and the reason that- Which is totally, <laughs> which means this is totally normal and has nothing to do with anyone's, like, fetishes or anything. And the reason that Danny needs a diaper is not because she's a diaper fetishist, but she is, but because she had a mental breakdown and forgot her potty training. Okay, okay. Let me- we should just we should be clear. We should what's that thing now where you like sort of reset and tell everyone where you're at in the story? So Danny Okay, so it's very complex, but the important thing to realize is that I am sure that these are all the same person. How sure are you, honestly? One to one. Seriously. One hundred one hundred percent. Why could it, it could be two crazy people creating multiple personas? Do you think this is all like the core character is Claudia and she's just yes, or I'm sure of it. This is gonna end up being a six year old dude. In a basement somewhere. Okay, so I'm thinking, yes. So this is an allegedly a transgender woman with an array of very serious health issues, but I think she's probably actually a divorced father of two named Kevin with a, vivid, a vivid imagination and too much time on his hands. Yeah, and some unresolved uh, issues with like sexual shame, yeah. I mean, to be clear, I made that part up, but the point is, this is a person who, again, is a power mod on these forums. And there's one thread in particular where Claudia is super active. The thread, Christian Teens Together. <laughs> So Claudia is splitting her time between ABDL forums and the Christian teens together threat, despite the fact that you said earlier the NaNoWriMo forums were so hostile to Christians, you can't even quote Jesus's non-controversial stuff. Exactly. And they are hostile to Christians. And there were all sorts of lively disputes about whether having a group for Christian teens was like having a group for straight people or for men or for white people, or whether the thread was showing favoritism for Christianity. But regardless, the thread has been around for a really long time. Again, NaNoWriMo has been around since 1999. Some on the forums claim that the name is really just a historic artifact and it's not really Christian anymore. And then the users, they do talk about all kinds of things, not just church or religion. It's a really, really big thread. It now makes up about a sixth of all posts on the entire NaNoWriMo forum. And it's so big that they got their own sub forum. 
It's mostly just teenagers chatting about the daily lives or people posing as teenagers. It's not super interesting shit, but the important thing to know is that this is the place where Claudia, this transgender spoony diaper lover with multiple sock puppets, is the lead mod. She's the lead mod of Christian Teens Together. Yeah. And this is the main place where teenagers hang out. That this seems like, my guess is this story is going to resolve with no real drama. Based on based on sort of the pieces you've set in motion, diaper lovers, people claiming to be multiple people, Christian teens, you combine those, I see a clean resolution to the story. But correct me if I'm wrong. Go ahead. Okay, so again, the mods are stretched super thin on the forums. There's one paid overseer, Letitia Jones. Thinner than a sheer diaper. <laughs> around 10 volunteers, many of whom have day jobs. So in June 2023, after rumblings from some users... A thread was created on the forums called Moderation Forums and Culture Feedback, and this soon became a hub of all criticism people had for the moderators, and there was a lot of criticism. So the early focus of the thread was on perceived misbehavior by teenagers in the Christian Teens Together forum thread. You know, teenagers- I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. In this, in People are not complaining about all the diaper talk. They're focusing on the Christian teens. The diaper talk isn't happening in- on NaNoWriMo. Oh, it's just Claudia also has the diaper site and is a power mod on Nano Yes. And user. Okay, gotcha. Sorry. Yes. So mostly what they're complaining about is like basic teenager shit online, clickish behavior, racial microaggressions, talk about self-harm and suicide, that kind of shit. But very soon, the teens behaving badly angle was abandoned and the thread shifted to concerns about the way Claudia was moderating that thread. So in particular... A few users mentioned that they had submitted concerns about Claudia to NaNoWriMo staff, including to the program director and the executive director, but they didn't get any sort of satisfactory response. What did they complain about exactly? The short version is that they say Claudia was grooming kids in the Christian Teens Together subforum. Claudia? Our Claudia? <laughs> what, what, what possible evidence would the you have to support the idea of- live with her? <laughs> yeah, the one who's like, by the way, this 15-year-old girl came to live with me when I was still male oh, presenting. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I'm I'm skeptical. I'm Team Claudia, basically <laughs> reflexively at this point, because Claudia seems so normal. Team Claudia slash Danny slash Jamie slash, slash Penguin uh, slash Mom. However many people are inside Claudia, I'm Team Them. So what possible evidence could we have to support these heinous allegations? Okay, so this is what Steve, our insider, told Trace. Quote, Users picked up on an odd pattern of behavior that ultimately led to the in-depth research that revealed all the garbage. So basically what happened is that Steve and others on the forum began digging into Claudia. They found her Twitter, and through that they found her posts on these ABDL forums, and they did not like what they found. So, for instance, they found this post from 2015. Jesse, will you read this? There's a screenshot in our notes. Why do I have to read all the weird stuff? Uh, <laughs> Claudia Wolf, November 13th, 2015. Re NaNoWriMo 2015. You wouldn't be the first. There's a teenager in the region I'm a ML for that is writing an ABDL-themed sci-fi story. I may ask her to post here after it's done, smiley face. So she's literally saying um, ML is what liaison? Municipal liaison. So it's literally saying that I'm like working with a minor. They're writing an ABDL themed sci-fi story, and I'm gonna try to get them to post on this like basically fetish yes. forum. After that's not un- that's not an unfair interpretation, right? <laughs> no, that's not unfair. This is what it appears to be. So that's their smoking gun, and from this, they decide that what's going on is that Claudia is grooming teenagers, specifically from this Christian Teens Together forum into joining the ABDL forums and lifestyle. Okay. Um, you said this is the smoking gun, which it looks really bad. I, I think you should be incredibly careful in any online forum where like adults and minors are mixing. And I'd be fine if you just said, sorry, you don't get to be a mod with minors because of this post, but is there other evidence too, or is this sort of it? Okay, so the hard evidence is limited, but the sleuths found plenty of examples of her acting inappropriately uh, for a mod of a forum for teens. She did a lot of oversharing around teenagers, both in private messages and on the public forum. She really blurred the lines between authority figure and friend. Uh, they also got a hold of these sprawling conversations between Danny, who by this point, they're pretty sure is actually Claudia, and teenagers on the forums. Same pattern, lots of oversharing and not really acting like a grown-up, other than, again, Danny does have the mental capacity of a six-year-old. She's wearing diapers. Mm-hmm. Just acting... No, I thought she had... No, she's now evolved to be <laughs> a, a weird mix of Claudia, a teenager, and like 12 other but people. But she's still wearing the diapers. Because mm-hmm. she has to, and she's into it. Mm-hmm. it 
I'll say, like, the screenshots that I saw were not that damning. There's no overt grooming, although I'm not sure that grooming is overt. That might be the point. She never said, I would like to groom you now. Right. She never said, send me your address. I'm going to send you some pampers. Here's some grooming. But the conversations are weird. Like, in one... Claudia tells a teenager her very colorful, though probably entirely fictitious life story, including about her relationship with Danny. She talks about how one of her exes broke up with her to date Danny, then they got married and she was in the wedding, which is actually the only part of the story that actually sounds like a genuine lesbian relationship to me. We do be like that. I I think like safeguarding experts i do think that's considered a red flag like even just like an adult sharing personal relationship info with like a minor i think is not definitely not good uh even if it's not sort of like sexually explicit Mm -hmm. so the sleuths and the nanowrimo forum were highly suspicious and they compiled their evidence they included screenshots of claudia's conversations as well as some very disturbing posts published by other people on the diaper site run by Danny slash Claudia. Like there's one post by a user who says he or she, honestly, it's probably a man, suspects the 10-year-old daughter of a family friend is a budding diaper fetishist. And this person is basically trying to figure out how to help this child explore that. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, there's some nasty shit. It's a diaper forum. Uh, so they compile their, their complaints. They write a letter to NaNoWriMo higher-ups and ask for a full investigation into Claudia. Oh, and they contacted the FBI. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought you said FDI, federal diaper investigations. <laughs> does So does NaNoWriMo follow up and like investigate? Well, at first, nothing happens, at least as far as the users could see. Steve, he's one of our insiders, he said that he expected this because any sort of investigation would probably be confidential. But then a month later, Claudia was released from her duties for unspecified reasons. Unspecified reasons. Okay, so in theory, she's fired, but they're not saying why? Well, she was fired, but she was allowed to keep posting, and she continued acting like an authority figure. And then later that summer, this past summer, both Claudia and Danny's accounts were permanently suspended for issuing threats. What what kind of threats? Unspecified. No one seems to know the details. It's only spoken about in vague terms. Okay. And has Claudia responded to these allegations? Yeah. She's totally denying it. Uh, she posted a response on Tumblr. She says she's never groomed anyone. That goes against her values. She says she didn't even have an account on diaper site and the person claiming to be her was someone else entirely. Then she also says that the first thing she and Danny did on the diaper site was purge everyone under 18, and they've been putting a lot of work to clear out stories involving minors. Wait, I thought she said she wasn't on the diaper site. Yeah, it's inconsistent. Okay. She also says NaNoWriMo staff have been lying about her, and she says she deliberately made some poor moderation decisions to expose just how bad the site's (laughs) moderation was getting. It's like, I molested a kid to prove that we don't do a good enough job protecting against molestation. Yeah. She said she has at least 18 accounts on the NaNoWriMo forums, which I fully believe. Like Some of the conversations I read with her and teens on the site really just seem like she was talking to herself i mean maybe the teen she was grooming was actually herself that's so it's like okay i guess in theory if it's a real teen that's creepier but part of me is like is it creepier to actually talk like that to a teen or to fantasize about another teen it's all so sick Mm -hmm. so early this past summer Claudia and Danny are both suspended, permanently suspended over these unspecified threats. We should just call them Clanny because they're the same person. <laughs> then, over the remainder of the summer, users are in this intense dialogue with NaNoWriMo about how to improve safeguards, how to improve moderation, onboarding, stuff like that. NaNoWriMo claims they're working on new protocols and training, but nothing really changes on the user's end, and the users are getting more and more pissed about this. The forums are just filled with complaints, and they're getting increasingly hostile towards this organization. Why don't they, like, something this bad, at a certain point, don't you just have to say, this is going to be an 18-plus forum, just so you don't have to deal with any of this shit? I don't get why it's so important that minors have a place on this forum. I mean, I guess they probably weren't trying to piss people off or like end everybody's fun over this one moderator. No, I said 18 plus. That wouldn't end everyone's fun. Just say 18 plus. Anyway, this brings us to October 2023 when a side drama makes this all (laughs) spill out into the open. Okay. Spill out like the contents of a poorly worn diaper. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember the name Sam and Jay? Yeah. This was the mod who was fired after the scandal about the predatory publishing house. It was her leaving them shorthanded that started this whole death spiral. Okay, so in October, the lead moderator, who goes by the name Dragon Child, she'd been- Sorry, this is the lead moderator of all of NaNoWriMo's mm-hmm. forums? Yeah. Okay. She goes by the name Dragon Child. She's been volunteering for 20 years. She abruptly announces that she's resigning. 
Uh, I'll read a bit from her resignation letter, but before I do, remember, the one paid forum administrator is a black woman named Letitia Jones, and she's admitted on the forums before that she's been lax in her duties. So a lot of people on the forums don't think she's doing a, a, a good job, and they blame the increasing dysfunction on her. Okay, so Dragon Child writes, Good evening, folks. I'm going to be blunt and to the point here. Recently, some comments I made in confidence to another forum moderator through a private chat were posted publicly on the individual's TikTok account. Though I was not named, it's pretty obvious who made the comments. I made a racist comment about Letitia Jones that was hurtful and untrue. I called her a diversity hire. This is untrue and a poor representation of the hard work NaNoWriMo does to advance equity for marginalized populations. I can make explanations or try to rationalize it, but the, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I hurt someone that trusted me and broke the trust and faith this community had in me. Okay, so the former moder moderator she's referring to who posted this on TikTok, this is Sama J, the disgraced former mod. And Dragon Child, who again has been doing this volunteer job for 20 years for free, says that she's been asked to step down by NaNoWriMo staff. So she apologizes to Letitia. She says words matter. And while she's not entitled to forgiveness, she hopes to one day earn it. So she's out. Okay. And some of the forum users are like, wait a second, what's with the disparity here? Dragon Child was forced out for this comment about Letitia, but they've done basically nothing about the child endangerment happening in their own forums. So the users raise these concerns in the forums, the moderators shut it down, delete posts, and otherwise silence users who are complaining about this. So at this point, a user who goes by Arumi Kai posts a thread on Twitter, and this spreads the drama outside of NaNoWriMo and into the wider world. This is about the time I started getting tagged into posts about this. Here's what she says. Remember how the quirky write a book in 30 days nano, hashtag NaNoWriMo program allegedly ignored reports of minors possibly being funneled into an ABDL <coughs> fetish site from their forum and allegedly didn't investigate even though it allegedly involved one of their mods? Then she details the whole story. She says that she was one of over 100 users who uncovered the case and while the alleged predator, so that's Claudia slash Danny slash Penguin slash Mom slash Jamie, was eventually removed from the forum. It was for an entirely different offense, this unspecified threat, and NaNoWriMo totally failed to investigate her or to communicate with the concerned users. Uh, she also shares a link to a website that was created by young NaNoWriMo users called Speak Out. Uh, Jesse, will you read this quote for me? For far too long, NaNo has allowed a cesspit of unspeakable behavior to fester. Racists go unpunished, homophobes are allowed to speak freely, and various beliefs can be insulted without consequence. The moderators swoop in to play hero after the fight is over, and the ones trying to keep the peace are used as scapegoats. Time and time again, the mods have claimed that if only we would all respect each other and hear each other's sides, we could get along. This is untrue. The oppressors will always oppress. It's time for the users of Nano to let the mods know we will not stand for this any longer. It's time for us to take action. Again, this is the forum for people who are writing a book in 30 days. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so they publish testimonials from users who say they don't feel safe, the forums are racist, etc. And so this tweet starts to get some traction. Meanwhile, over on the ABDL subreddit, a user posts that over at the ABDL story forum, that's the diaper site run by Danny slash Claudia, they've started deleting content and restricting access to stories. And under that post was the following comment. Jesse, please read this. Before you do, you should be aware that Hatsune Miku, that's a name that's going to come up. That's Danny's alias on the ABDL forums. Was there any chance that like Japanese stuff wasn't going to come into this at some point? <laughs> Okay, this is user ABDL Stories Club. I'm the attorney that represents their legal interests and the current situation is, to put it bluntly, very fucked up. Okay, first of all, one thing attorneys always do is post details yes. about cases on Reddit, so we know this is legit. Especially the ABDL mm -hmm. Reddit. Yeah, N normal attorney stuff. A good friend of Atsune Miku, so that's Cla Clanny, used no, to- Well, it's Danny. Danny, right, who is Claudia. Right. We think. A good friend of Hatsune Miku's used to be a moderator on the NaNoWriMo forums until this past year. People started making false claims about her being a child molester, and recently they escalated it to claiming she was inviting teens to the forums, which would have been quite challenged since the friend in question doesn't even have an account She there. doesn't even go there. She doesn't even go to that school. Anyway, the NaNoWriMo staff know this is outright lies, but refuse to stop people from posting the lies, and it came to light the staff knew that several users were actively stalking both Hatsune Miku and her friend online and did nothing about it. This came to a head a few days ago when they found evidence that some existing users of the story forums were helping to create false proof. That was when she put the site in total lockdown. 
Thursday night, it took a turn south when someone who was convinced that Hatsune Miku and her friend were the same person doxed her. Someone showed this is all one sentence with no punctuation. I'm going to read it again. Keep that in mind. Thursday night, it took a turn south when someone who was convinced that Hatsune Miku and her friend were the same person doxed her. Someone showed up at her home and attacked her. Period. She's. <laughs> I can't do this. Keep She's on. currently in the ICU and listed as being in critical condition. Legally, due to the investigation, that's about all I can say publicly beyond op this, colon, yes, the FBI were contacted by those fucking idiots <laughs> at NaNoWriMo, and just like every other time they determined that there was no laws being broken, those idiots are just a bunch of sore losers, this is a lawyer speaking, <laughs> who all have one thing in common. Hatsune Miku's friend was the moderator who wouldn't let them talk her out of banning them when they did stupid shit to earn these bans. Yes, normal lawyer stuff. If anybody is looking for a lawyer, I recommend checking up with ABDL, ABDL Stories Club. He sounds very legit. Katie, Katie, ABDL Stories Club Esquire. <laughs> oh, excuse me. How dare you? Okay, so on November 12th, the board finally got involved. They this said is the they board of Nano, NaNoWriMo? Yeah, they said they weren't uh-huh. involved in the day-to-day, and they shut the entire forum down aside from a, a sprawling <laughs> mega thread that currently has, has over 3,000 responses to their announcement. And frankly, they're probably just so mystified about all of this. Like, I cannot imagine that the board of NaNoWriMo is particularly online and just trying to figure out all of the characters is just, it takes an entire podcast. So at this point, there's no real timeline for the forums to open open back up, and their feedback thread is turning into a sprawling mass of every possible grievance and then some. They tried to respond for a while before giving up. Uh, they've apparently submitted a report to the FBI, but I kind of doubt the FBI is going to spend much time on this when there's no clear victims other than teens saying they felt unsafe on the internet and Trace, who had to wade through this. Can you imagine, like, okay, rookie, it's your first day on the job. <laughs> Grab your diaper. I've got a URL for you. Uh, also, I have to go. I'm about to go on vacation. Good luck with this. Let me know how it goes when I get back. Yeah. Okay, so that's where everything stands now. I did have a couple of questions for Trace. First of all, why would anyone ever want to voluntarily moderate any kind of forum ever? It just sounds like a job and not a particularly fun one. Here's what he said. Typically, people moderate out of a combination of a sense of duty to the community they enjoy. That's duty, not duty, like in a diaper. (laughs) And a desire to control its direction a bit. Some people are inherently drawn to power, even the trivial amount a moderator has, and have strong opinions about the way things should be run. They're spending time in that community anyway, so a bit more time and effort to be the local authority doesn't feel like a sacrifice. Can I actually add one thing to that? Sure. Um, It... it I think in the moment, it often doesn't feel like a trivial amount of power because you think about the sorts of people who live their entire lives online and Mm -hmm. form real connections to these forums. If someone threatens your social standing in it or kicks you out of it, that could be – I mean, I don't want to – the T word gets overused, but for a certain type of very online and sometimes, frankly, mentally ill person, that could be traumatic. So like mods – we get a lot of stories about abusive mods, and I think there's a reason for that. Okay, well, here's something else that Trey said. He said, virtually every forum with volunteer moderators has its Claudias. No, they're not all quite so colorful, but those who are extremely online enough to volunteer for janitor duty on obscure forums, and I include myself in that illustrious crowd, are weird weird, and you'll often find people who hold corners of the internet up with immense specific technical knowledge or a ruthless dedication to moderation while having truly bizarre personal lives. Reddit has a hundred Claudias in various high-level mod positions, each one waiting to burst out into a story like this one day. Discord has thousands. This is a simple fact of online life. Make of it what you will. Okay, so our podcast will be able to run for quite some time. We're not going to have any shortage of stories. The only thing that threatens to harm our podcast is if we get too old to do it. Well, we're both over 40 at this point. Um, I know. This makes me grateful for Soft and Chewy, who I think has done a good job moderating the Blocked and Reported subreddit. I mean, at what point is the subreddit and our own comment section, which we do not do a good job moderating, at what point is that going to spiral out into diaper drama? It's inevitable. We didn't have to moderate 
our forum, our comment section, because there were no assholes until we reached a certain size, and then a couple people started getting right. a little asshole-ish. Uh, as of now, I'm not aware of any diaper fetishists in our forums, and I don't know. Oh, I'm sure there's a few. I know, but why won't they be more open? And about you know it? what? The diaper fetishes. I will say, when we did various ABDL stories, and diaper fetishes wrote into us, they were all very kind. Of course, very polite. No, this is true of any weird, like kinky subculture. There's like a lot of normal people. They're just not the ones who make waves and. Uh, you know, generate online stories. I wonder if Claudia even wears diapers. Do you even wear diapers, bro? <laughs> <laughs> bro, uh, I've been at, it's like at a, at a uh, conference. Uh, I have a disturbing announcement. Someone in this room has not <laughs> shit themselves. <laughs> All right, Jesse, any questions? <laughs> I mean, so many. Yeah, we could. That's enough. I mean, this is unbelievable. And they just shut it down. Oh, I guess one question, and we can do this on mic or off. You, it looks like you're deciding not to really link or screenshot to stuff because I think people are going to ask for that. Or is it basically like we don't want to stoke the drama? Or what, what's your reasoning there? I'll link to the NaNoWriMo forums and site itself, but a lot of this has to do with teenagers. And so I don't really want to link people to teen, to like teenagers talking online. It feels a little creepy. I mean, alleged teenagers. Who really fucking knows? That's the thing. This is all one 50 year old dude. Yes. Named Kevin. The entire NaNoWriMo forums are one very prolific 50-year-old diaper fetishist. Arguing with himself, stalking himself, calling himself out, banning himself. Are you going to... Kevin. <laughs> and his name is Kevin. Um, Katie, thank you for being my Sherpa as we climbed Diaper Mountain together. <laughs> You're uh, welcome. Thank you. Diaper pile. I hate to say this, but thank you even more for Trace, who oh, did yeah. insane work wading through this and turning it into a segment. I don't think... Uh, the work of Trace and Jessica, the 80s babies, is always visible, but uh, the show could not happen in its form without them. This was amazing work. Um, anything else, Katie? I think that's it. This has been Blocked and Reported. As always, we are produced with help, as I just mentioned, uh, from Tracing Woodgrains, especially this week. Thank you, Trace and Jessica, the 80s baby. I'm Jesse Single, and remember, in a sense, we're all wearing diapers, our deepest insecurities. And I'm Katie Herzog, and also remember... Claudia, if you're listening to this, there's a community of disabled trans anti-eugenicists in Portland who are in desperate need of some diapers.